You're listening to Outline and Live with J.C. Alvarez. Television heartthrob John Wesley Shipp has always been an audience favorite on both daytime and primetime. His Emmy-winning turns on soaps have marked him one of the most versatile actors in the industry. John Wesley Shipp has gone on to featured roles on NYPD Blue and Dawson's Creek, but the role that put him on the fast lane to fanboy appreciation was his turn as the original Scarlet Speedster in the 90s hit show The Flash. His career now moving into an entirely new sector, John Wesley Shipp dropped by the studio to bring us up to speed on his current going-ons. Here now is John Wesley Shipp. And I had the pleasure of being joined by daytime heartthrob John Wesley Shipp. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for sitting with me, John. <laughs> now, you're you're back in New York City. Uh, you began your career in New York City as an as an actor. Correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, in, in, in soap operas, that's really your, been your claim to fame. Yeah, actually, the first thing that signaled the end of my having to wait tables, which is still to this date the most terrifying <laughs> job I've ever had. I don't have actor nightmares, I have waiter nightmares. <laughs> well, the food's coming up in the kitchen, and I don't know who it goes to. You know, and the chef is screaming and throwing knives, but I digress. I, the first thing really was I did Showtime's first original uh, content movie. And it was The Dirtiest Show in Town by uh, Tom Ian. They did a Best of Off-Broadway series, mm-hmm. Me and My Girl, Passion of Dracula, and uh, The Dirtiest Show in Town. And that was the one I did. In fact, uh, the next month I got Guiding Light, good guy Kelly Nelson, and they kept getting letters from right. people who had seen this rather scandalous piece on Showtime. <laughs> How could Procter & Gamble cast? They ignored it. And Kelly. And, was and that's where you success. got your biggest following on daytime when, when, you, when you were on Guiding Light, correct? In the beginning, yeah. I did four years on Guiding Light and as a really good guy, the guy that every girl's mother would want her to be with you know i ran around singing you needed me in my speedo <laughs> you know I, I i wore a speedo and then i sang you needed me and then i sang you needed me in my speedo and i figured well now i'll be fired what else do they want from me but uh, they, they kept finding things but then i got the opportunity immediately after that uh doug marlin who had created the character of kelly went to as the world turns mm. and he wrote the story of douglas marlin which i came in as the answer to uh, Julianne Moore, who played Franny, right, uh, right. Uh, to the answer of all, all her problems. I was the man of her dreams, and we were going to fall in love. And then it was a, quite an intricate story. I won't go into it. People who know it, it's one of the most revered uh, three-pronged stories. Nobody suspected me, and nobody took put the other two prongs of the story together. Mm-hmm. So the boards lit up when I <laughs> when they discovered it was me. And you'll appreciate this as a journalist. So far, I, uh, my my name was profaned in the halls of Soap Opera Digest because really? they had just done a whole sit-down with me. And, of course, I could give no indication that I was only on, like, an eight-month contract because gotcha. that would have given the story away. Mm-hmm. What did they want me to do? But they felt that, the, you know, we they were talking about my returning to daytime and doing this whole – and I did it like I was back for good. And I gave no hint that I was just on for a short time. Mm. Apparently that upset them. But they got over <laughs> it because by the time I came back to do Eddie Ford, they were really nice to me over there. Now, d- daytime television is has always been considered sort of like the actor's boot camp. So many fantastic actors come out of, of, uh, of, of working the daytime uh, television circuit. It, did you learn a lot honing your craft in within the arena of the soap opera world? I certainly did, but, but I would say you better have your act together by the time you get to daytime mm. because it's, uh, it's really a training ground in going with your first instincts and, uh, and in memorizing a lot of dialogue in a short 
period of time. But if you don't know how to break down a script, if you don't know how to approach it, so the you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you'll go down in flames. Because the turnaround is really quickly in daytime television. I mean, it's it's why actors well, really have to be like on their top of their game. You consider it takes well in Flash, for example, we had. Uh, nine day shoots per episode, two units shooting. Flash, of course, being the show you did in the '90s, right. uh, prime time television. Prime time. We're going to get to that. So, we, I mean, but we're nine day shoots, mm-hmm. two units shooting simultaneously right. to get an hour of television, and in daytime we were doing five hours of television a week. You know, so it was, it was a different animal. I always qualify that because I don't. Yeah, it's a training <laughs> ground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but at, you know, Helen Hayes is is attributed to Helen Hayes. She's some of the finest acting is done in daytime and I would say also some of the worst mm. and that's the nature of the beast. I well, we won't talk about those because you are a <laughs> coveted Emmy Award winning actor for your daytime roles. You actually hold two Emmys for your work in two different soap operas. Right. Which is which is really rare. Yeah, a friend of mine in L.A. called me up one day. He's a real crossword puzzle fanatic <laughs> and, and, and quiz shows and he said, oh my God, you're a question on Jeopardy. You know, who's the only actor to have won two consecutive Emmys from two different daytime shows. I said, did they get the, I said, what was the category soap operas? I said, did they get it? He said, no. <laughs> I said, oh man. But, but you know what, but what not a lot of people know is, because uh, of course everyone attaches you to so many of your, of your, of your roles on, on television is that you're really a singer. You're a vocalist. You actually recorded music. You studied music. And it's, you know, you actually performed music in, on, on Guiding Light. A lot. I sang a lot on Guiding Light. In fact, we did an album. It was a rather album of rather insipid ballads. No, I was working with a producer from the ABBA organization, and, and we sold out the first pressing in the soap magazines. Mm. And then after that, I, you know, there was some people from the ABBA organization came mm. over. They wanted me to go to Sweden, and but it wasn't really a direction musically that I wanted to go in. So it was a pop album, and you are of course a classically album. trained singer. Yeah, and you know what? There's there's some good tracks like the Prisoner from Cell Block H, that theme song, you know, and and when you stop and you consider, yeah, I sang you ne- needed me ad nauseum on Guiding Light, but it's Les Paul on the guitar, right. and we wrote that arrangement together when it goes from four four into three four. You know, I mean. So it was, a, and gave it a nice lift at the end, which I also, probably one of the only people ever to sing on Donahue. You know, it's like, he was really desperate that day. You know, he didn't know what to do with this bank of soap opera actors that he was interviewing. But You know, your fans from uh, from one of your other hit shows probably don't even know what Donahue is. I know, I know. And it was even in Chicago then. It's before it moved. So this is, exactly. we're, we're talking way back. And the show, of course, that, we're gonna be, that I'm, I'm referring to is Dawson's Creek. Uh, Dawson's Creek was a groundbreaking show on on television, not only because it had such an interesting collection of, of actors, um, these young upstarts, these 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 you know actors that no one really knew anything about yet that are now huge names, uh, Katie Holmes, uh, James Vandeweek, uh, Michelle Williams, are, mm-hmm. were among that cast. Did they feel special to you when you were working with them on Dawson's Creek? Um, I'm going to go back to As the World Turns. Because oh, I, I, are you? I do want to say... <laughs> I do want to say... Look that how what, he takes over my interview. That what was fortunate <laughs> right. about that, and I chased so many rabbits telling that story, I'm not surprised you moved on. But let me just go back and say <laughs> what was important to me career-wise was immediately after four years as a really good guy, I got to play a psychopath and win my first Emmy. And then I played a woman abuser and won my second Emmy. So immediately I wasn't stuck in even though they were shorter duration roles. You're playing the good guy. I was. Yeah. I went from good guy to stark raving mad in the matter in a matter of, of like a year, right. you know, two years. So, and that's been a pattern for my career. I say, you know, I've I've played superheroes and psychopaths ever since. <laughs> you know, 
super dads. And I want and I want to put a a, a linchpin that because that's going to actually wrap up my interview and come back to what you just started. So after that, you played Dawson's dad on Dawson's Creek, which which I did became a show with Harvey Firestein. Yes, on yes. Broadway, Safe right, Sex. Right, because you kept on. Of course, you kept a working actor. You were doing a lot of things, of course, theater and yes. stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, then I went to do Never Ending Story 2 in Germany, and I filmed that. We did, it was so curious, we did the interiors in uh, Munich, mm-hmm. and uh, we did the exteriors four months later in Vancouver. So it was very interesting. You know, it's like anything that was like up to the bookshop. Everything mm-hmm. outside was Vancouver. The minute you walk through the door, it's Munich, and they right, kind right. of get into the magic of filmmaking. Of course. So it was yeah. very interesting being a young man movie. in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hank McCann, legendary, uh, mentioned in the movie The Player, mm-hmm. uh, he was my manager at the time, and he said, you have to come to L.A. Mm. And uh, I did a project, uh, uh, an episode of a show that Jack Scalia was doing, and mm-hmm. that's where I met my good friend Beth Broderick, and we've remained friends ever since. Mm-hmm. And I got to come in, and I was an artist who came into my opening and slashed all of my paintings with a machete. And they were That's very, a good intro. That was a very, and I went from that to being a superhero. So you know, but don't bring up Flash yet. I'm not. No, no, we don't know anything about. You're that. already pirating my interview. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you got to rein me in because I will. Well, uh, I, and I shall do my best. <laughs> but you know, it's like I really want to speak to your to your fandom and 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 sort of like uh, um, how your fandom has changed during the course of your career um, and how it still continues to grow. But Dawson's Creek, which was, well, as I mentioned before, a really, really special show on television, especially because uh, you were one of the veteran actors on the show, working with this new cast of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of, young, of young actors. Did they feel special? Um, the entire project felt special. You know, they shot the pilot presentation with a different dad. Mm. I was not the original guy cast. I was in Moab, Utah for a month with uh, uh, David Carradine, um, Lee Majors, Kathy Lee Crosby, and uh, Michelle uh, Green, who, who I primarily had my story with, uh, there with our one stoplight and our one motel for a month <laughs> going in a stir crazy. And they had filmed this little pilot presentation. They decided to go in a different direction with the dad. Mm-hmm. I was back in L.A., and they said, watch it. And I knew right away that people forget because it, it was, as happens with all, I don't have to tell you, you know, all pop cultural hits they become cliche very quickly because mm. there are a million copycats but at the beginning there was nothing that looked and sounded like dawson's creek and no no of course not. and written by kevin williamson written by who kevin who williamson. created the show and the first yeah. two years we were the editor's pick you know critically acclaimed dawson's creek you know mm-hmm. people tend to forget that it became the voice of its generation it yeah it really did yeah. at one point i think glenn close said to kevin kids don't talk like that and he said <laughs> no but they'd like to <laughs> he turned out to be right because oftentimes you're as in your role of Mitch uh, Mitch Leary, is mm-hmm. that right? Mitch Leary, yeah. Mitch Leary on Dawson's Creek. Uh, you often found yourself where Dawson was kind of like schooling you in a way. Yeah. There were there were these great moments where like you know you you he would almost turn the tables on Dad and teach you a lesson, and in reverse, then you would come back with teaching him a lesson, which is what made you such an endearing character on the show. Well, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go into Kevin Williamson's psychology, but I really believe that, you know, what the unique voice was Kevin's mm. and Dawson, the whole show revolved around a sort of unlikely uh, young leading man, this mm. very sort of internal, analytical, intellectual uh, guy that was just a little bit sort of off center. Who's, you know? who, uh, that hero had never been done before. Not, not, no, no, no. Yeah, we were yeah. coming, we were coming into the landscape of 90210. Mm. In fact, the first thing I said 
when they talked to me about it was I said, well, you know, what's it going to be? You know, is it going to be, you know, um, you may have to edit this out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, he said, I promise you, because I said it was going to be a kid's show. You know, I mean, how much are we going to have to do? He said, you will have independent, intersecting, subsidiary, but independent storylines. Right, right. And what's going on in the youth story will be reflected in what's going on in the adult story, and they'll inform each other. He said, I promise I won't mm -hmm. turn you into 90210 parents. Right. And so, uh, and he didn't. I mean, the hurricane episode, third episode of the first season, mm -hmm. is an great piece of television mm -hmm. writing, you know. And... Uh, yeah, you yeah you, you asked me about the kids. It was such an interesting, it was it was an interesting environment because as you say at the beginning, I was the most well known actor on the show, and I had come in. They were already filming the second episode, mm -hmm. and I came in and reshot the scenes from the pilot, and uh, 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 and then began the second episode. You know. It's like, you know, I walked onto the set, you know, and I met Katie, and she was there the first day, and I met Mary Katie Hargraves. Holmes. Right, Katie yeah. Holmes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they said, okay, open your shirt and lay down on your back of the coffee <laughs> table. And, the, you know, <laughs> here comes Mary Margaret. I'm like, hi, how are you? And, and you're like, oh, just another day on the job. Day, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and we were making out and all this stuff, and wacky, crazy things happened because they were always playing <laughs> Did she feel jokes. like she got an upgrade? Did she ever make a comment like, whoa, I got an upgrade? <laughs> no, no. She was very fond of the, of the actor who preceded me. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, he went on. I was, I was watching a movie with one of my personal mm. favorites, idols, Al Pacino. Mm. And there he is. I'm like, oh, fine. You know, I got Dawson's Dead and you got a movie with friggin' oh, Pacino. Well, I mean, it's like, but still, I mean, it's like, it, it's, th these are shows, uh, you've, you've been a part of, of television history and, and, um, and that's the interesting part of your career in, in shows that have colored popular mm. culture. Um, Dawson's Creek, uh, was one of the first shows on television that actually touched on and played really intimately with one of its prominent characters coming out, the character of Jack McPhee, who was on the football team, correct? Wasn't Jack a football player? No. Okay, he, he was wasn't. played by Keir Smith, right? He was played by Keir, yeah, Keir right. Smith. And, right. and the, the setup was, and this is what I loved about Third Season, I had mm -hmm. forgotten the whole construct around, he just happened to be whatever he was doing out on the football field, and the ball went over off. Yes. And he yes, caught it. And he catches and threw it. it right. back. And Mitch goes to him. Right, exactly. And right. he says, you know, I want you to join the team. Right. And he says, are you kidding me, a gay kid on the team? I said, you know, uh, you shouldn't let that, you know, that, that ha one thing has nothing to do with the other. And Jack says, mm -hmm. in a perfect world, maybe, but not in Cape Side. Mm -hmm. And then, then I, it, Mitch talks him into not letting that be a barrier. Right. And by saying, you know, I really could use a win right now, and I think you could too. And he talks Jack into being on the mm -hmm. team. And I, sociologically, I thought that was very important. I'm glad yeah. that I was a part of that. Yeah. And, and certainly you, you have to, it, you know, at the time that this storyline was evolving, I mean, it, it was making all the, the news pages. You have to imagine, as the veteran actor on the set, um, did did Smith come up to you and, and say, you know, hey, Ship, what do you think? Does how how do you think I should approach this character, and and how do we th how do you th how do you think this is going to affect my career? Did he have any reservations and come to you for advice? Kerr did not know mm. when he was cast. In fact, I'm not. I don't know whether Kevin knew well, or not. Well, the character the character was actually associated with Katie Holmes's character. That's right. Wasn't true. They were actually dating for a short period of time. So I think it was either the end of his first season mm -hmm. there that Kevin presented him with this story. And being a young actor, and we were kind of 
a wonderful thing about doing it was we were in Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm. I think that we were sort of saved by, and the kids were sheltered at the beginning. The kids, I don't mean to, you know, these, these <laughs> They were kids actors, then. They were young people then. Now they're, of course, adult actors, but they were young people then. But they were sheltered in an, in an environment there. We were sort of like a family. And I remember when James came to Mary Margaret and said, oh, I signed my first autograph. Or, or when, <laughs> when Varsity Blues went to number one, he wanted, his mom and dad weren't there, so he wanted his set mom and dad to go with him to see, so we went with him to see Varsity Blues in Wilmington. You know, it was, it was, a, it was very cute like that. We all hung out on the weekends and, and on boats and jet skis and stuff. And it really was a, for the first couple of years, I and, think. And talk about brilliant casting. I mean, it's like, you know, the two of you, really look like like you know son and dad and son and like you know it was a brilliant piece of casting for television i had friends from high school say you know his reactions <laughs> he said it's not, not so much that you look alike although you do but he says you react to things mm. the same way a certain way you'll laugh and turn your head it's, it was eerie because mm. you know james never studied me and i never studied him it was just something that we had uh and as you say kudos to the casting people mm. But but do finish uh, the story of of, of um, Kerr. Yeah, please. Yeah, well, you know, he was con he was concerned, of course, and he was so surprised that he was going his character was going to be going in this direction, mm -hmm. and you know, he had reason to be, uh, as it turned out later. But we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> uh, when you maybe ask the question, I don't know. Maybe I'll wait. I don't know. No. Um, Kirk came to me and he said uh, he was he was very thoughtful. He said, "Did, so, did you hear what's?" Uh, I ran into him. I don't know if he came to me or not, but I ran him on the on the lot or in the trailers. And he said, "No." I said, "He said, did you hear what's happening with Jack?" And I said, "Yeah, I hear that Kevin is going to uh, tell a gay storyline." Mm -hmm. And he said, "Yeah." I said, "How do you feel about that?" He said, "Well, I don't know. Uh, you want to go have? Would you come and have lunch with me?" And so he wanted to talk to me about it. And, you know, he was concerned on a couple of levels. I said, you know, I said, I, you know, nobody can make the decision but you. But I know this. I know that if you do it, you will get the best that Kevin Williamson has to offer. Because mm. this is a story that he wants to tell. Right. Right. And if you That's don't. That's wonderful. The actor giving the perspective of saying. If the creator is writing this, he has confidence in you that you can do it. Have confidence in him. Have confidence in him. To, to, to evoke this character, to we, bring this character across. We all know what a great writer he is. Yeah. You will be getting the best of the best right. if you do it. If you don't, chances are Jack will recede. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's just right. you know, the facts because what's, what's, what's he going to do with Jack? I mean, you know, I said, uh, secondly, I said, if you do it, Oh, no, no, no. The second thing I said is, and as far as your career is concerned, I said, and this might upset some people, but it was m based on my observation. I said, Kerr, if you're not gay in this business climate, you have nothing to fear mm -hmm. from playing a gay character. Right. Uh, uh, sort of like the uh, the double standard, you know, if you were if you were gay and played a gay character, they'd say, oh, he's just playing himself." Mm. On the other hand, if you were straight playing a straight character, you would uh, that would never come up, right. you know. Uh, and of and course, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, you're gonna say? Yeah, yeah. Just so I told him, uh, you know, I said, so that's my opinion about that, and I said. And if I may cross the line, because people said, did you give them advice? I said, oh, God, I hope not. 
I said, that would have been insufferable. They were mm. all, I mean, James had worked with, uh, 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 who's afraid of you? Edward Albee, mm. done a play with Edward, please. Mm. Well, Boy, they were all talented actors. I mean, to be assembled in that way, but I mean, who knew that they would move on to that and, and, and be Oscar nominated? I mean, Michelle Williams was nominated for her performance in Brokeback Mountain, and, and now she's going back to Broadway. And, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's amazing the, the, the crop of actors that, that came out of, of that one show that you're a part of. So. And I think one reason maybe that the chemistry that you alluded to earlier about how Dawson and Dad would switch roles was because I wasn't, I didn't come on as that kind of an actor. I would have been embarrassed. In fact, our kids, we didn't have some of the temperamental behavior when they became overnight stars because our actors were smarter than that. <laughs> yes. It would have, have embarrassed them if, if your trailer's an inch longer than mine, so I'm not going, coming to the set. There was none of that. They were too intelligent from the beginning. Well, because um, that show was is one of the most well-written um, coming of age stories on television. They cast it very intelligently. Yeah. And I want to yeah. say one more thing, and I but I did cross the line with Kerr, and I said, Kerr, if I can be so bold as to give you a word of advice, mm-hmm. if you do this character, don't be careful. I said, you'll do what you do and decide to do. I said, but my word would be, don't go. Mm, I didn't say don't. I said, be careful about going on interviews asserting your heterosexuality and apologizing because that will insult your head writer you know it's like i'm not really you know so you know and he was very thoughtful kerr's a great guy he's very thoughtful he took it all in and i have to say uh uh, 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 and did a beautiful job. Are we portraying? allowed to curse on this show? Of course, yeah. A shitstorm was yeah. kicked up around this show, and yeah. Kerr handled it. I thought because it became very controversial. Perfectly. Yeah, it was. It was. They were picketing on the set. Um, Busloads. Yeah. And you know, yeah. in fact, one night, I mean, we would there would be picketing and shouting and signs, and and we shot really late one night, and about two or three in the morning, there we are in the Dawson Leary mm-hmm. living room, and sirens go off, and James went. <gasps> It's the Baptists. <laughs> it was a car accident, which is really frightening. Yeah, stuff. really scary stuff. Um, and and that and it goes on to to such a well to the testament of the show that the character did evolve really well up until the the, the final seasons of, of the show. You unfortunately were were killed off. You know what uh, you say? Unfortunately, it was um, at the end of the fourth season. Once Kevin left the show, mm. the show began to evolve. Now, I'm very glad that Mitch became the least motivated man in Cape Side, uh, (laughs) albeit, you know, becomes the football coach. But, you know, the fact that I got to participate in in doing a story that basically says to kids, don't let whoever you are block you from from exploring your your, your talents and abilities, you know, with the Jack, you know, gay football player thing. Um, With Dawson, who had great aspirations and wanted to be bigger than... He, he's such an ambitious young character. Right. And I just totally blanked on the point that I was going for. You, you were saying on how, um, yeah, yeah, it's gone. And Maybe then he'll was, come back. And then we were talking about when you left the show. Oh, oh why I left the show. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'll have much more with my friend John Wesley Ship in part two of our interview when he takes us behind the scenes on the set and in the cowl of the Flash and reveals his take on the new guy stepping into the suit. So keep it here and get out loud. Stay in the know with Edge on the Net, the internet's largest network for LGBT news and entertainment. Download the iPad app and get the digital magazine featured every month. 
edge on the net. Visit us now. Out Loud and Live is now also available as a podcast on iTunes. Please hang up and try again. Send us your questions or comments to thrillseekerhq at aol.com. This is JC Alvarez, and you've been listening to Out Loud and Live. This is a Thrillseeker HQ presentation. Get in the HQ. Go to www.thrillseekerhq.com.